I do feel like I'm a part of an illegal gambling or illegal poker feel, game. Going. It, it feels a little secret. It does. Which what brings back memories? Back when you used to run a a poker game in Brownwood, Texas, <laughs> in college. That's how you paid for <laughs> Howard Payne. I paid for Howard Payne <laughs> up at the top floor of that ho- abandoned hotel, of the uh, Sid Rich Hotel or whatever. Yeah, what, what, what was the set that Kramer found on Seinfeld? The, the talk uh, show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> we should do that. Who? Should, uh, Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin. The Merv Griffin, yes. <laughs> yes. Ooh. <laughs> We're going dark. Yeah, so you know we're 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 sitting here talking, Ronnie. Just it's just you and me. It's just you. And there, me. There's nobody else here. Just you. Have you ever felt like you had the right answer, and the people you were leading did not agree with you? You mean like today? Have I? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can come back to yeah. events that transpired today. But no, I mean in in general, in the in the grand scheme. Oh yeah. Can you remember being a young pastor at a church, yeah. and you just know that you know that you know. Look, we got to have groups off campus. Yeah. We can't only have groups on campus on Sunday morning. We got to do some groups midweek off campus. Yeah. And they said no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can remember being an old pastor and think, <laughs> I've well, been doing this a while. What classifies as old? Yeah. Yeah. At, what point did, what, at what point did you become an old pastor? Three years or more, I think, in the ministry. You know, we often see sometimes church people feel they know how to do church because they go to church. Right. It's like, People who live in a house know how to sell a house. Well, there's a lot of ins and outs and innuendos and little things that you don't think about. So those things aren't always considered. The big picture. People don't always get the big picture. Definitely, I think that for those that are living, eating, and breathing this all the time, and this is our this is our jobs, it's our vocations, yes. it's our careers. Wakes us up um, in the morning. Yeah. It's the things sleep. that we just, as difficult as they are, things that we really want to accomplish and move forward. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to take a, a couple minutes and talk about the issue of when you think you're right from two different perspectives. Okay, I want to talk about it from the perspective of the staff employee, the staff pastor, yeah. not a senior leader. Yeah, and then I want to talk about it from the perspective of the senior leader. So, okay. uh, just brainstorming right off the top, tell me, yeah, g- give me. There's got to be some example in your past. When you were younger, where you knew that you knew that you knew it was the right thing to do uh, to move the church forward, and the church balked at it and said, "No, we're not doing that." <laughs> well, one, yeah, for sure. Early on uh, was the start of a, a contemporary service. That's when things were kind of moving that direction. Are you willing to share the church you were at? No, probably not. Okay, so one <laughs> but, former church, <laughs> one former church. <laughs> yes, uh, just kind of like, and there was a, a very traditional minded and uh, fairly early on in that church's life. And so realizing that the demographics were changing of the community, getting younger folks coming out and people that would be more attracted to that, but their roots were not that way. So they were built upon tradition and hymns and choirs and all that, which is great. And that was a wonderful part of the church's history, but trying to convince them that we might need to look at doing something different, which meant we need to bring some people in that have a different 
take on this whole issue and can provide different resources to make us contemporary. It wasn't taking the one the people we had in leadership and just transforming them. Okay. That was not going to work. You were going to need new people. We're going to need new people. Were these going to be paid people? Or they paid gonna... people, especially in the, in the worship ministry, was a big part of that. It, so that one, was painful. One point of clarification. So you were the lead pastor at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes, I was. So you, you felt you needed to add a uh, contemporary element to your yes. service and that's or one, to your church. One thing I did learn, just add to, we weren't taking away from that, um, but... The, the people that were there couldn't do both, you know, musically. And so having that conversation of, well, first of all, defining what that looks like. I mean, contemporary is so generic. Right. What does that mean? What kind of music are we talking about? And <laughs> some of the responses I got back now are comical. They were a little scary at the moment. Like, no, nah, it's not even close to what we're talking about. But then people start having their own ideas. Oh, this is what we need to do. We need to do this, this, this. And that. Well, yeah. no, no, we don't. And, you know, hey, thanks for sharing. That's a great idea, but I don't think it's going to work. So learning how to kind of what to say, be emotionally intelligent in those moments, uh, but push forward. And it, it was a battle. And ultimately that service failed. <laughs> because. So you launched it. Yeah, I launched it. And uh, again, young, I'm going to go oh. bull in the china closet. Okay, I'm going. so you went ahead regardless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, just like, hey, just let us try this on the side. It won't be our main service. No. Uh, and you know, couldn't get the right people in there, and it eventually, it eventually failed. Yeah, probably because you just didn't get critical mass in there. Yeah, but it was in in, in some small way, it was it, there was sabotage going on. Yeah, right. I mean, they they weren't in. I'm I'm not saying they were malicious. No, I'm just saying they obviously did not support this whatsoever. Right. They, they weren't interested in promotion or inviting people to that or. Really even trying it themselves. <laughs> yes. Know, they knew what they like. Why would I mess with that? And great people. And, you know, love those people, still love those people. But it was just a, it was a paradigm shift for them. And that's not something they were interested in and couldn't imagine anybody being interested in that. Well, there's, there's definitely the idea that our dreams can become toxic. Yeah. Uh, that there are some things that we feel that we should be doing and maybe the timing's not right. Maybe it is... We don't have the right resources to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Uh, maybe our people just aren't ready for it, but we are committed. We know this yeah. is something we need to be doing. You know, yeah. you, you go from that process of here's something we could do, here's something we should do, here's something we must do. Yeah. And when you get to must, you work to act on it. But I think as frustrating as this is, and, and th- this is kind of in the back of my mind, what's it's the thing as a leader I don't want to hear, yeah. but I need to be reminded of it regularly, yeah. that if I pitch my ideas and no one buys them, yeah. then I need to stop pitching those ideas. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's okay. Right? So no, it's, it's not. It's, it, really, it, it really, it drives me bananas, right? But yeah. that, I think that's the humility of an accomplished leader. In all humility. Yes. Right? Is that we present our ideas and... Uh, I don't allow those ideas to just become ghosts. Yeah. I just shelve them. Yeah. And it, because it, I really do believe either I'm not doing a good enough job selling these ideas, yeah. but then again, if I'm relying on my salesmanship, mm-hmm. then man, I mean, salesmanship goes from persuasion and manipulation pretty quick. Yeah, how authentic. And I don't, I don't want to be accused of that. Right. Um, I do want to be, I want to persuade people to a cause. Yeah. But I don't want to manipulate them to a cause. Right. It's kind of that fine line on how we handle asking for money at the church. Yeah. 
is that I don't want to I don't want to guilt people to give money. I want them to believe and invest in what God is doing here. Well, and that's the frustration. You talk about frustration and leading in these moments. The, as a leader, as a visionary, you can see down the road of what things can be. And so it's trying to create that holy discontent that we can't stay the way we are. Mm. And that's frustrating because some people like the way they are. <laughs> you know, they like things just the way they are. Right. And so creating that tension. Yeah, but it could be so much better. And then even putting that idea out, people are like, okay, well, then they come up with their own idea of what that looks like. Well, no, that's not exactly what we're talking about. And then sometimes as a leader, you have to realize the timing's not right. Right. No, you see that. Or you may not be the right person to yeah. get them to that point. You definitely have a timing issue, a resource issue, and then you have a want-to issue. Yeah. Uh, some people just, they don't want to do these things. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah. You know, I think our church is a good example of that right now, that we do have traditional, we do have modern, and they really don't uh, intersect in their lives very often. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I would still say we, there's, I guarantee we have uh, members of our church that attend our traditional worship that have never even put eyes on uh, a modern worship service right. at yeah. our church. Yeah. Right? But yeah. that's fine. Yeah. I, I wish it wasn't. I wish they could appreciate <laughs> uh, what was going on over there. Yeah. Um, well, I think but, one of the big issues you see is when a church is relocating. That's always a tough battle, and churches that want to stay. And one church comes to mind, you know, for the pastor had that vision of moving out. Uh, it was a downtown church and kind of a dying area, wanted right. to move out. Church decided, nope, this is our spot. We love this spot. Yeah. 20 years later, they finally relocated. That pastor was long gone. He stayed maybe another year uh, and left because he couldn't get the church to move. And, you know, okay, was that right? Was that wrong? Was it just all in the timing? Yeah. Once they did move out, it changed everything. It was a big boost to the membership and uh, reaching an area that was kind of an unchurched area. So uh, it was a very positive move, but it, maybe it was about timing. That timing when they finally did was fantastic. So how do you how do you wrestle with that yourself as a leader? Uh, where you how, how do you how do you protect yourself from becoming discouraged? How how do you move past these what seem to be blockades yeah. to progress? Well, I think obviously you know trying to build us build support, continue to cast that vision as people forget about it, but thinking what it what it could be, but obviously. And honestly, sometimes it's just like, okay, I'm not the right guy for this. Uh, this is what's within me, dying to get out. I need to go find a place where this can be lived out. Sometimes I think that might be a sign that your time at a certain church is over and it's time to move on. And again, maybe the church is not ready. The time is not right. You're not the right guy to lead that. You think about David and Solomon. You know, David wanted to build the temple. God said, you're not the guy to build it. You need to get all the supplies together so your son can do it. Hmm. Okay, well, that's a tough moment, but that was reality, and that was the right thing because of but, who David was. But, okay, I get I get Solomon and David, but we're talking about just regular old pastors here. <clears throat> I mean, deciding that I'm going to take my ball and go yeah. and go somewhere else, I mean, seems a little harsh too, right? Yeah, maybe, but <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't get over the frustration and you can't uh, – be able if you're not able to move on. I mean, pastors are humans, so okay. sometimes it's like I just can't really get past this. Sometimes I think the natural response is they don't trust my leadership. Mm. You know, they're not going to follow me anywhere. They won't follow me through this. Why are they going to follow me anywhere else? Um, so yeah, there's some personal issues that get involved in that. But I do also think sometimes that's just a sign that all right, this is 
this is no longer the church for me. So, in the conversation we've had so far, so many, uh, you know, I'm big on uh, quotes and catchy phrases and stuff like that. Love the catchy phrases. Probably because it just helps me remember these things. <laughs> uh, like we were talking earlier about the church not wanting to do a modern service or contemporary service, and uh, I'm just reminded of Bolsinger's quote that people do not fear change, they fear loss. Yeah. And so they're afraid that their church is no longer going to be a traditional church yes. uh, if they have anything contemporary. And, and I get that. And that honestly needs to be respected. And, um, and and you need to help your people work through those problems. Yeah. Um, you know, so gosh, there's just, there, there, there's so many others. But one, one of them that that really comes out to me, and I and I was teasing and giving you some pushback on take your ball home and go, but you and I both know for many years we've talked about this this question: what is yearning in your heart to come alive yes. that cannot come alive in your current context? Yeah, uh, we talk about that with our own staff. We talk about that in, with residents. We we ask yeah. that we talk about that question often yeah. because we trust that God is speaking to all of us. And if God is speaking to you, and there's something that is just yearning in your heart to come alive as a pastor, and it's not going to happen in your current mm. context, yeah. then definitely that should be a pretty clear sign that it, if not take your ball and go home, yeah. but rather you open yourself up to opportunities. Right? Is that right? Yeah. You think of bull singer, I think of bullwinkle. Uh, they said, <laughs> "Hey, rookie." Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and we know stories of pastors who have wrecked churches because they had this idea of what this church needs to do and needs to be, and it wasn't. It wasn't right for that church, but they destroyed it trying to make it that way, right? And became a human effort, obviously not a spirit of God effort. And so you have to you have to watch out for that, and maybe that is again a sign. Hey, it, it is time. I'll bless this church. I want to get the church to the place it needs to be. Uh, I admire pastors that stay at a church for 40 and 50 years. That's it's incredible. That's incredible. It's, it's a certain gift you have to have to keep things fresh and alive. I think that's a rare thing. I think there are seasons. I think as we talk about now with medicine, you have very few general practitioners. Now you have specialists all over the place sure. in other fields. And so I think even in ministry, there are specialists. There are pastors that carry a certain set of tools that well, they're to use to help a church get Yeah, to you've point. got planters. Yeah. You've got transition guys. Yeah. You've got maintainers. Yeah. You've got growers and developers. Yeah. And most planters, they plant. Uh, some stick it out, you know, through the duration of that church or through their ministry. But a lot of them are just ready to go plant something else. Right. You know, and... Uh, well, I agree with you. Okay. I think there's something beauty about longevity and position as a pastor. Yeah. I and mean, there really is. Yeah. Uh, because it's, there's a depth of service, right. I think, in yeah. multiple years sure. of journeying together. Yeah. Uh, yet, I, I don't think it's as common uh, as it was in the past, and I don't think it's going to be as common in the future. I don't either. I agree. I think there's a specialization taking place in the ministry world altogether. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's unfair to think, or not unfair, but probably not accurate thinking that as a pastor grows and as a church grows, they're growing in the same speed and in the same direction. Mm, yeah, that's good. Because again, being a leader, you're typically out front of things and experiencing things before uh, the church as a whole does. And that's frustrating in itself to say, you know, I know what it could be. And now I have to convince these people <laughs> that we can't stay where we are. Uh, that, that's frustrating because everybody has ownership to it. Everyone has memories, especially when we talk about buildings or spaces or locations. There's always something attached. And you've got to break through those and 
keep that bigger picture in, in front of folks. Keep them mission-minded for sure. Well, let me let me change subjects here for a second. Let's talk about it from the perspective of a staff pastor. Uh, and in particular, you can be my counselor uh, <laughs> because I have a, a staff pastor who has a plan and a dream for how ministry should function, yet when he or she presents that idea uh, to senior leadership, yeah. senior leadership is not in agreement. Yeah. And so now the staff pastor, in one way, we've challenged them to dream and plan and think outside the box and do crazy things that other churches don't do and work on those loon shots, the crazy yeah, ideas. Right. And they present them passionately, and we say no. <laughs> All right. So how, That's painful. How, yeah. I mean, how does a staff pastor handle that and, you know, suck it up or... Yeah. Well, I think it's all... Well, a big part of it is how the senior leadership responds. Again, because you want to continue to foster big ideas, but ultimately you have to know what's realistic, what's executable, that kind of thing. But continuing to do that and taking some of those ideas, maybe maybe it's not the whole idea, maybe it's a portion of something. Hey, we never thought about it this way. Uh, continue to foster that and, and continue to build that person up. I think a lot of it's done relational. Um, you have that relationship built already before that person brings this big, hairy, audacious idea hmm. that ends up getting shot down. And... A, a showing appreciation for even the fact they're willing to do that, uh, giving them maybe through that you see they, they belong, they need a seat at the table on certain discussions. Right. So even though that part might be shut down, it might open up opportunities for other service or other ministry or other accolades for that person. So in both circumstances, one of the things that definitely uh, should uh, a, a help to a pastor listening out there right now wondering, okay, these are all problems. How, how can I get over that hump? Uh, one of the things that in change management that we talk about is developing a change coalition. Yeah, right. So one of the things that staff pastor could have done before making this big proposal, he mm-hmm. could have been developing a change coalition of other ministers on the team around him or her. Right. They come right. and they present collectively this idea, which adds weight to it also. Right. yeah. But there, there's one other thing that I, I've seen you do this, uh, and uh, I try to do this also. A long time ago, Don McMinn had said this just stupid statement. He said, help me spread a good rumor. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And at first I thought, what a weird thing to even say. And what he was getting at is everyone's talking about bad rumors. Yeah. But help me spread a good rumor. Let's talk about something that's actually good. Right and see if we can spread it like a virus, like vision, and let it just take a life of its own. And I I think the staff pastor, one of the things that they could have done, instead of just coming and making this big presentation, like an all or nothing, probably would have been much more effective if in the weeks or even months leading up to this big proposal and presentation, if they just floated some conversation along the way. You know, just that little drip feed. Yeah. Of And it could have started months earlier in, in a one-on-one meeting with me and said, hey, I've got this crazy idea I'm really chewing on uh, yeah. about doing X, Y, Z. You know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts about it? Well, that seems interesting. I've never heard anyone doing that. Let's think <laughs> about it some more. Yeah. Okay, so now I've already, I've started as the boss right. sowing seeds of agreement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Over... Yeah, so definitely. Like sometimes my kids come to me with these, these grand ideas. Cage came to me with one yesterday. Yeah. And he's got this purchase he wants to make. And it's he's so excited about this thing. And then when he tells me the price, I'm like, no. 
<laughs> no, we're, we're not doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, but Dad, so, I did PowerPoint and everything. Yeah, well, my kids have done that numerous times in the past. Uh, make a full pitch yes. presentation. No doubt. No doubt. Yes. Yeah, we experienced that a little bit today in, in staff meeting uh, about you did. problem solving. And we kind of threw that out oh, for some problems, What do you mean, problem solving? Yeah, well, just, you know, there's some, we identified some problems in our church that need to be addressed relatively quickly. And so we had some discussion and ideas and brainstorm on how that might be solved. And some brought some great uh, presentations on that. Uh, and there's a good chance that we're going to shoot it down. <laughs> <laughs> but also with that collaboration, it wasn't just one person carrying the brunt of all of that. Uh, there were there were several involved, and plus we were able to look at okay, this looks like a good issue, but how? What about from this angle and this angle and this angle? So you kind of fine tune it down to come out with. It wasn't the original idea, but by the time yeah. we hashed it out, hey, this is a really good idea that started with a good a good idea, good foundation, and more voices built on that, and it's a pretty good solution to a problem. Good. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what that was. Yeah, I, I wasn't for, at staff meeting today. I totally forgot what it was, but I'm well, sure somebody I, wrote it. Down. I know the subject. I'm looking for. The, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing the solution. Uh, well, so in in all of this, uh, a couple things that I think are important to to be reminded of is that ministry is tough, and yes. there are some se- there are some serious highs and lows to ministry, hmm. and too often I think we have too short a perspective on what's going on around us. Yeah. Right, and you know, you've heard me give my my spiel about the Bible. If there's one word that I would use to encapsulate all of the Bible, it would be remember. Yeah, remember what I have done. Remember what I am doing. Remember what I've told you I will do in the future. (laughs) Right, remember these things. Yeah, and I just think it's it's incredibly hard for us. We need to have we need to have grace for those around us. Mm -hmm. We need to have patience. Love, grace, mercy, diplomacy, intact, all those things for those yes. that don't see the same as we do. Yeah. And we also need to have the humility to be able to squash our own ideas, to push them on, put them on pause, put them on the shelf, uh, and come back to them at a later date. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that old adage, if you think you're a leader and you turn around and no one's following you, you're not really a leader. And so that's the idea. We're not trying to push people. I think leading people is is the way to put that. So that takes patience, takes a little more time often, uh, and spends you have to spend more investment in vision and vision casting and help people understand. But it really does start with acknowledging there's there's a problem or there's an issue or it could be better. You know, we always talk about everything has to improve. Everything needs to improve. We don't ask anyone to be perfect, but we ask everyone and everything to be better. Yeah. So. That takes constant conversation consideration. All right. Hey, thank you all for listening to the podcast today. Please share it, like it, Please. tell your friends and family about it. You'll get a discount, I promise. Get a t-shirt. Thank you so much. Bye.